free-falling Norwich City's championship slump continues. Uh, I think the last time we recorded a podcast, we ended by looking at perhaps a points tally that Norwich City could get in their next three games against Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley. I think I was the least optimistic and I went with three. Um, and I think you guys both went with four, unless I'm, uh, I'm mistaken. Norwich City have, have, have taken one from those three games and it feels like the pressure is mounting on head coach Dean Smith and his coaching staff. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. I'm your host, Connor Southwell, joined uh, at the A17 service station uh, by Samuel Seaman and Paddy Davitt to reflect on not just yesterday's defeat to Burnley, but also what is uh, three games since we were last with you. We deliberately kind of pushed back Sunday's record because we felt it might be a little bit outdated before we actually got round to recording it. Turns out that is the case. So, Paddy... With all of these kind of statistics and numbers um, and taking them into account, how much pressure is Dean Smith under at Norwich City at the moment? Well, he should be under a lot of pressure because it's bad. It's really bad. Um, And you can, you know, you can have this endless debate about styles of play, approach, what is he trying to do? Has he improved the players? Are they better coached? Uh, et al personnel in various positions systems in various positions but fundamentally you have a football team who are are, uh, malfunctioning they're dysfunctional they're one win in eight now Um, and it was starkly evident on Tuesday night against an opponent in Burnley who were everything Norwich weren't in terms of understanding what Vincent Company wants from them carrying out those plans the individuals made the collective better Pace, power, energy, youth, vigor, um, and okay, you know. Ultimately, it was decided on a penalty decision, so you know Norwich were not that far away from grinding something out. But even if it was a nil-nil and they go back down to Norfolk, it still felt, looking at that game, that that was two clubs going in different directions and two teams, and there was only one team that looked like they were, they were set up and configured for promotion, and it wasn't Norwich. So. Um, Ultimately, something will have to change unless uh, those who matter inside that football club are, are content to uh, flatline in the championship this season. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case. So, something has to change because one win in eight, with you know three or four tricky games this side of the World Cup break, if that doesn't improve within this period now, starting with Stoke and Alex Neal on Saturday, then he be- his position, I'm afraid, becomes untenable and. Uh, you know, then that opens a whole different scenario about who they look for and uh, and what impact they can possibly have. But fundamentally, this, by the club's own measure, was promotion this season, or at least a concerted attempt. And if you use the club's own benchmark, they're way off it. Um, and as I say, you know, we know all about the mitigation. There was more of that again on Tuesday night in terms of the horrendous run they're having with injuries. But. Um, but you know, we, we were told all along that this was one of the better squads in the division. So if that is the case, you know, Burnley were missing one or two key players, and it didn't really distract them. Um, so really, uh, the book stops with with Dean Smith and his his coaching staff, and above them it's Stuart Webber, and and they will all need now to make some very big decisions over the coming games because uh, one thing is abundantly clear: it's not working large swathes of their fan base have uh, basically had enough and uh, and once your fan base have reached that tipping point um, particularly with two two Carra Road games on the horizon then uh, I think we all know we've all seen enough of these cycles how it plays out and it's going to be very toxic if uh, if the fan base feel that the status quo is, is where they want to go you know moving forward um, you need something to change and hoping something will change I don't think is enough now it, it clearly there's there's some major issues there's a major fractures and uh and that's not going to heal by uh you know by doing what they've been doing because fundamentally what Dean Smith Shakespeare and his coaches have tried to implement isn't working and that's evident by what we see on the pitch and by definition by the results one win in eight is frankly uh an indictment of Dean Smith his coaching staff those players and the people above him at the football club and it needs to be sorted out very quickly yeah yeah really hard to, to disagree with that I mean it, it feels like this is heading in in one direction Sam and I don't mean necessarily just surrounding Dean Smith and, and his position as Norwich City head coach I mean this, <clears throat> excuse me the season more generally because 
there seems to be a downwards momentum around this group at the moment. A real, as Paddy said, lack of energy in possession at Turf Moor. They were they were pretty hideous to watch. Really, there was a real lack of attacking plan, um, and it just felt to me almost like they were trying to grind out a nil-nil, which maybe they would have got had Grant Hanley not have uh, thrown his arm in front of his face to block a cross. But that, that downwards momentum, and it's, it's in everyone. You can feel it around the club. You can feel it in the players, in the staff, in the fan base. It's very difficult to know how that shifts at this moment in time. Yeah, because there hasn't been much of a concerted effort to shift the narrati- narrative for a long time. It feels like they've sort of been happy to trudge on even after such a miserable relegation where they obviously collected 22 points, looked even more out of their depth than they did when they finished with 21 points under Daniel Farker and yet there was still this almost um, this lack of desire to turn things around and in the summer we only saw four real significant signings two of them on loan all in the same position and any idea of a sort of rebuild or um, any grand gestures to show that the page had been turned and that this wasn't the direction the club were happy to go in weren't there no it looked like that maybe was the best way to go when they went on a little spell of good results um, recently but performance wise it was never quite where you'd hope it would be for a team aiming to to get into the automatic promotion spots and looking at the context of it now um, at the start of the season they had sort of three or four games where they struggled and that felt like a long enough period now one win in eight um, and they've you know (laughs) They've almost matched that nine-game unbeaten run, which Dean Smith was happy to wheel out and use as a statistic for how successful they've been this season. So the momentum is certainly significant in the wrong direction, and I'm sure that's why a lot of fans are calling for Dean Smith's head, and that seems to be the automatic um, solution to to their problems because that's a grand gesture that, that turns things around, that signifies the turning of a page. And perhaps if they had made more of those decisions in the summer maybe with their messaging as well and more communication and speaking about how they were going to do things differently they wouldn't be in this situation where they probably do need to pull a a grand gesture out of the bag to prove to everyone that they understand that there's an issue and that they're not happy with the the way that they're travelling at the moment Um, but you know as you said it's not just about Dean Smith and uh, I'm I'm not excusing him from anything at all but the whole club feels like it's going in the wrong direction you know just a, a couple of weeks after they've published accounts that shows they're they're now in significant debt basically and they really are under huge pressure to to go up and as much as the pressure was there um from a sort of expectation point of view and from fans who who felt the way that the club was they really were favorites for promotion there's a, a level of pressure that we perhaps didn't know was there until a couple of weeks ago and it just feels like all these things are snowballing and um, the situation for the club is, is getting worse and worse now the the position of strength they're in is that there's still plenty of time to turn things around um, there's plenty of games left and they've got a massive break now in, in a few weeks and I'm not saying that's when they need to wait to change things but just as a, a sign of how much opportunity they still have to, to make this season what they want it to be there are plenty of games left they've got a break to assess where things are to probably go away as as Dean Smith has stated is the plan for the World Cup break and um, it's not too late for them to change things but there will certainly be a point where it is and I think Norwich fans are now starting to fret that any changes that are made whether that's around Dean Smith and the head coach position or or otherwise are going to come too late and when promotion is already um, out of reach so yeah I'm interested to see where they go from here uh, looking at it at this point it looks like Dean Smith is going to be in position for Saturday's game against Stoke but if they lose that one the calls are going to get even louder they're going to be in front of a probably 25,000 strong home crowd that are going to be baying for Dean Smith's head probably and, and the pressure is going to increase even more so as you, as you said that negative momentum is increasing and um, they do need to do maybe more than one big thing to, to turn that around and, and to find a way back to where they want to be I mean the statistics around this season so far Pad are so alarming um, seven points now off Burnley who of course beat them last night um, top of the top of the table five points off the, the top two um, teams below them have games in hand which if all of them won of course that's probably not a realistic scenario but if, if that was to, part, uh, to come to pass Norwich City would sit 11th in the table for this group of players with this expectation of, of what this season was packaged as 
it's not good enough, is it? No, and it was a bit of a concern when he, again, for the second press conference running Tuesday night post-match at Turf Moor, he was asked about the less so the league status right now, but that points differential. And he trotted out what he did at Villa, but, you know, it's worth remembering that was Villa sneaking into the playoffs. And then, obviously, fair enough, they came through uh, and won at Wembley. But it, but if we're now, if we're now uh, the measure is, uh, you know, a playoff place and then, and then take your chances in that lottery, then, uh, to me, that's almost an indication of how badly things have frayed because that certainly wasn't the expectation or the, the, the aim. Uh, of course, you could argue it'll end in the same destination point, but, but it's a far more precarious uh, roll of the dice uh, if, if they're going to now lower their horizons. And, and even if you want to lower your horizons, could you still feasibly see this group of players under this head coach and this direction of travel being good enough to be, A, get in the top six, that's the first mission, and then be able to come through, which is, a you know, although Norwich fell the right side under Alec Neal in fourteen fifteen, it's still a very precarious uh, tightrope to try and walk. So I, I just, I don't see enough evidence that this head coach is able to implement a style of play with this group of players that is going to be residually good enough. You see the Burnleys now, we'll see QPR imminently at Carrow Road. They look like they've slipped a gear and they've found something. Blackburn seem to be moving in the direction. You know what? I think Watford now, they've uh, they've kicked in under Slavon Bilic. They'll come strong. You know, there's... It's not only about what Norwich aren't or, or are doing at the minute, it's what other clubs are going to do now. And that those gaps will only grow and grow and grow. It's unrealistic to think clubs won't get into a winning groove. As Norwich did, go back to that first Farker year, the unexpected title win, where around about this time, beat Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough after an international break. Pookie played down the middle, scored a goal. Things clicked and they never looked back. And, and there was a relentlessness and a, and a confidence that surged. There'll be other clubs who Norwich are fighting with this season, they will find themselves in a similar groove. So, you know, if they're hoping for favours or stumbles from other teams, it's just not going to materialise, frankly. And um, and each passing game, they don't pick up result. They're losing further ground. And it's a leap of faith, really. If you're a Norwich fan looking at the body of work this season and hearing... It's, it's, it's based on hope, isn't it, rather than yeah, trends? and Dean Smith saying, oh, I'm still, as he said, pre-Sheffield United. He's convinced that this group will be in the promotion shake-up and getting the right side of it but for your for your Norwich fan for me that's just a leap of leap of hope uh, over expectation or reality and, sorry to interrupt again but it's also worth saying when he came in initially he felt that group was good enough to stay in the Premier League and that didn't come to pass in, in the way that perhaps he, he wanted no so you know fundamentally um, you know he's talking in more general terms about volatility in his profession and managers not having enough time and, and he said it there only a week or two ago about almost you need to survive and get through and only I think it was from a, a month 11 in your tenure that you can start to build well he's there now now all I would say is look at his uh, his opposite number in the dugout on Tuesday night at Turf Moor Vincent Company hasn't had 11 months he's had 16 games 17 games I listened to his post-match press conference he said they lost 16 players in the summer massive churn not all of those on their terms he referenced Dwight McNeil and, and players good enough to stay in the Premier League and, and financially I'm sure as well there was players they had to lose but there was also huge churn and, and a new manager you know he's come in the door there and that, and as I say you look 16-17 games on look how cohesive they are you can see clearly what they are trying to do and how they move the ball how they progress the ball the, the pace the, the, the intent that they show um, and that's in a 16-17 a game cycle Dean Smith has had considerably longer okay you know you have to shake off the disappointment of relegation and and and, and maybe there was a financial limitation on what he could or couldn't do last summer or the summer just gone but uh, to me you know those are all fair and, and they have to be put on the table but has Dean Smith in 12 months in the job improved largely the same group of players whether it be Premier League or Championship the compelling evidence is he hasn't. So, you know, increasingly, bar, bar a, a dramatic U-turn, it looks like the wrong appointment. And that's not trying to be talking with hindsight. It's just the facts of the matter as we stand here now. Uh, and that's on Stuart Webber as much as anybody else. So, you know, unless we persist down this road, but where does this road lead to us? It leads to me, harsh to say, it looks leads to me like championship mediocrity. And that's not in... In, in Norwich's DNA, uh, if you look at the, the the ethos of what this self-financed 
model under Weber was constructed. It wasn't to bob along in the championship, um, happy with their lot. It was to be always competing at the right end of the championship and hopefully getting into the Premier League and then staying there. They've had two attempts, they've failed. So therefore, we expect them to be at the right end this time around. That hasn't happened. And as those recent set of accounts underline, it is now a pretty bleak future if they were to stay and plateau in the Championship for the next two or three seasons because there would have to be inevitably a huge amount of uh, change and turnover with the playing squad. Um, so that, for me, does frame the urgency that something is to happen and happen quickly. Yeah, I just don't buy the it takes time to embed something. Look at, look at the top of the Championship for the moment, for example. You've got Burnley at the top, Vincent Company, as you said, he's had 16 games. Blackburn a second, John Dale Thomason, who was appointed in the summer. Mick Beal, QPR in third, the same situation. It's, it's, I just don't think it's true. You don't, you don't need 11 months in a job to implement what you're trying to do or implement a style. And, you know, in the summer he, he was asked about what he wanted to see. He spoke about high pressing. He spoke about being good in possession. He spoke about using the ball in a certain way. He spoke about um, being energetic. I don't see any of those characteristics in this Norwich team at the moment. I'm, I'm really struggling to see any sort of coherent plan in the final third. And actually, I've stood in and, and interviewed players after games. And the last four, which have been Josh Sargent at Watford, um, Angus Gunn after, after Luton Grant Hanley after Sheffield United and last night Isaac Hayden uh, after Burnley have all mentioned something on the topic of leadership desire passion um, they've all made reference performances not being particularly good enough all season it's just to me it just feels like a tired football club a football club that needs someone somewhere whether that's within it or whether it's external at this moment in time to grab it to galvanise it to inject some energy and some fresh impetus because it, it just feels well like I say Sam quite quite tired yeah and we've made those repeated comparisons with that 2016-17 group that was basically a tired group of players who had had a go in the Premier League failed and were essentially picking up their their check at the end of the week and uh, when you've got your captain coming out and I'm sure this isn't what Grant Hanley really meant to say but when you've got your captain coming out and telling the media that oh there's bigger things than football so you know don't worry about it too much sort of thing and you're seeing these sorts of performances and as you said a football club that looks tired that looks in need of a refresh you look at many of the names that are through the spine of the squad and they're out of contract soon and they're maybe getting a little bit older and I made this comparison um, earlier actually when Stuart Webber came into the club he was somebody that really galvanised things and took a club that was tired in that that season and, and in that 2017 period and he they really needed somebody to pick them up to be a driving force um, and to take them forward now Stuart Webber's inside the club and he you know, doesn't seem to be able to provide that at this moment in time he's at the helm at the moment and they do look like the tired club that he inherited in 2017 and you just wonder where that that drive is, is going to come from and that impetus is going to come from. I don't think it really came when Dean Smith arrived at Carrow Road. There was that Southampton game where they looked a little bit more physical and had a little bit more desire, but that new manager bounce was perhaps the shortest new manager bounce um, seen in the, the Football League pyramid in the last few years. And that there wasn't much galvanising when, when he came into the club and that might be why many Norwich fans are hoping for a, a new head coach to lead the operation because they need somebody to, to pick the club up like that and you look at the sporting director area where Stuart Webber obviously came in and, and brought that change and it looks very much like the way that things are going at the moment if and when Stuart Webber does leave the football club it's going to be Neil Adams who steps up and that's somebody who was already part of the operation so any idea that he's going to come in and be all change and transform the culture like Stuart Webber did when he first arrived at Colney that that isn't really going to going to happen um, and it feels like the head coach position is where it's going to come from on the pitch you look at characters like Isaac Hayden and the way that he spoke to you last night and the way that he maybe plays it feels like on the pitch he's keen to do that but he's one in 11 and he's not able as a, a player sort of um, on the you know not not in a sort of financial sense or in a fame sense but in the the structure of the football club he's on the lowest rung of the football operation he's not going to be able to be somebody that picks up things and, and drives them forward and they need that probably externally if you're looking at the fact that nobody within the club seems to be able to do it and that's I think why a lot of fans are calling for a head coach and a lot of fans are looking for a fresh 
fresh ideas and fresh impetus and that's probably why the likes of sort of Steve Bruce, um, Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis don't a- appeal to Norwich fans when they consider who maybe would come in if, if Dean Smith was dismissed and they maybe look at the likes of Russell Martin, Ketil Knutsen who we know Norwich looked at when Smith was appointed and they look at those external, very external forces who are quite different to what they've already got. Um, you know, and as you said, it's a, t- a tired-looking football club, and I think they really do need something to, to basically wake them up. Um, whether that can come from within and, and the results can can do that for them, because you know, ideally, they're players with ambition, they're players that want to play in the Premier League, they're players whose job it is to, to do everything they can to win football games. You'd like to think that they look at the results and they look at their position in the league table and they, they go, OK, maybe we need to do something a bit different. Maybe I need to be a bit more... I need to work harder in training. I need to bring a better um, attitude to, to Colney when I come in. But, you know, if that was going to happen, maybe it would have happened after Luton or after Watford or, or even earlier than that because they've had plenty of opportunity to turn things around. And it's not all been against difficult opposition like Burnley. And, and they have had opportunities to do it and, and they haven't yet. So it does feel like maybe if that impetus and if that ability to turn this tired football club is going to turn up it's going to be from from outside the football club and um you know as, as you spoke about yesterday on your verdict we're not ones to call for anyone's head but when it feels like that you know what the natural assumption is is going to be and I think that's why Norwich fans are looking for that that big change yeah I don't yeah I don't think we've we've called for anyone to to, to lose their job actually um ever really but also I, I think it's it's one thing doing that and also another thing reflecting fan feeling and yeah no, I don't want to criticise these players in particular, but I think it, it, it almost points to kind of my point of tiredness and a, a kind of a, I don't want to say end of cycle because that feels very definitive, but it's definitely a fatigue in, in, in around the club. You look at that, that spine, those spines of players when everyone's fit. Tim, I know Angus Gunn has come in recently, but Tim Krull, who has been through that cycle, he's, he's been up and down with Norwich. Grant Hanley, very much the same. Kenny McLean, very much the same. Tamu Puki, very much the same. What, what's the incentive for those guys, again, to, to get promoted? And this kind of lack of narrative, I think, is, is maybe one of the reasons that is creating that disconnect. And now you can point to various different elements as to why that disconnect is there and what's created that void. But actually, for me, what was so special about the first season under Daniel Farker was that it was a fairy tale. It was a roller coaster. Norwich were underdogs. Every win felt so precious. And it was kind of achieving that unpredictable, unexpected aim. Year two in, in the championship under Daniel Farker when they won the title again, it was kind of that revenge narrative. We're coming back. We're going to prove people wrong. We're going to right the wrongs of what happened in the Premier League last year. And that was probably still there to an extent last year. Obviously, unraveled in a different way. I'm not really sure what the narrative is this time because when winning becomes the norm, it's very difficult to get excited. So for me, it feels then a lot of a lot of emphasis is then put on the process. It is put on how you win and do you win in a certain type of way? Do you win in a way that is maybe like even like Burnley do at the moment where you control games and you have really there's a real energy about you and you can identify with the players on the pitch so I guess all of that Pad probably points to me asking the question is this all on Dean Smith where Norwich City are at the moment because there's a lot of focus on him and his position and he will of course because we know what modern football is like when a manager goes through a bad run of form and you see it at every single level um, their position does come into question but is this as simple as Norwich City simply plucking Dean Smith out and chucking someone else in, or does something else structurally need to change within Norwich City as well? Well, it depends who they go for, because Dean Smith and Daniel Farker are very, very different head coaches, both in terms of personality, in terms of their outlook, I think, on football, certainly in terms of the, the philosophy of how they want to play the game. Dean Smith far more pragmatic, Daniel, which at times was to his detriment, but very ideologically woven around a certain way that he wanted to play football. Now, you could look across the football world and there will be coaches in both of those camps who've had success. So it's not prescriptive to say they should have gone and got another Daniel Farker clone. And you can understand if you're Stuart Webber why you maybe wanted to move away from that slightly because it hadn't worked, as you said in the, the recent accounts, you know, six wins in 50 Premier League games, something had to change. Now... That in itself, I think most fans wouldn't disagree with, but by appointing somebody like Dean Smith, who was slightly, well, a very different type of coach, um, and more or less asking him to work with the same group of players, it just hasn't worked fundamentally, and it still isn't working. You can see that. So, you know, I, I think 
it goes beyond Dean Smith or beyond who's in the dugout. Yes, it, you know, it, there's a question here of has this club lost its way? And and this, I've said it a few times now. I think that I think the the, the purity of the approach and the and the Stuart Webber died in the dressing room at Brentford when Daniel Farker was dismissed because they, those two were they were they were the spark they were the the crucible they were the energy force that drove that along as you say that tremendously unexpected 17-18 title win 18-19 sorry and and what came afterwards good and bad but but still the sense that Norwich were hurtling along at the front of this train and other clubs were trying to play catch up now it clearly isn't the case and in Stuart Webber's defence it's very hard to carry that on your shoulders with all the financial imperative and obviously to have gone through you know the seismic shock of the pandemic in terms of your football club and the finances and the lack of revenue particularly through a self-funded club and go again and have that energy and drive and motivation to want to do it and we know you know without going into again in depth that away from football there's other things he wants to go and do so it it's very hard, I think, for Stuart Webber to, to, to find that again, to drive it again and embark on a new cycle. But, you know, it does feel this club has lost its way and that, that whatever this, you know, let's break it down. We heard when he first came through the door, there'd be a Norwich way, there'd be a Norwich style, a Norwich DNA. A fan would turn up, they'd know what a Norwich team was about under Stuart Webber and under Daniel Farker. Do we know what a Norwich way is now? Do, what is Norwich's DNA? What is Norwich's style of football? I tell you what, it, whatever it is, it isn't what it was under Daniel Farker in the first period under Stuart Webber. So something fundamentally, ideologically, philosophically has changed. And it feels like there's this internal struggle that they're, they're still playing out to try and find, if it isn't to be that path, then to find another path and find a head coach who can deliver that and a group of players who can row in behind it it just feels like they're struggling with themselves now in terms of I think I described them as a conflicted teenager last night uh, well it's, well, I wouldn't disagree with that it's just you know you think you look at the elements individually the quality in this squad they should be better than what they're producing the fact is the results tell you the points on the board the recent form line they're not they're not so something is fundamentally broken now is that just the head coach no I don't think it is I think it's deeper than that but in the here and now, in the short term, of trying to fix this and trying to extract more from a group of very talented individual players, um, it probably it probably does point to, to something needs to happen in terms of the head coach position. But I don't think that solves all the issues about what this club is and what it's trying to achieve. And and if it can reconnect almost with its soul that Stuart Webb was trying to put into this club, which was we'll do things differently, we won't follow the crowd, we will try and be innovative, we will try and push the envelope. And in many, many ways, they have done that and they continue to do that. You know, most recently, you know, these data innovation sort of uh, zeal that they've embraced, you know, with appointing Dr. John Iger and, and looking for those marginal gains. All of that feels out of the box, but the reality is they're playing catch up in a lot of areas now, whereas it felt when it was really good under Farker and Webber, on and off the pitch, they were leading the way. And there was other clubs in football looking at the Norwich model and thinking, we'll have a bit of that. There's nobody looking at Norwich at the minute and thinking they want to emulate that. Um, and that isn't just on Stuart Webber, it isn't just on Dean Smith, it isn't on the players or the hierarchy. It's a collective. And, and um, you know, it's, it, I don't think it, that will be solved by replacing Dean Smith, but something needs to spark it because at the minute, it's just more of the same more of the same frustration, a widening disconnect with a lot of the fan base, a disenchantment, and that can't persist because that just drags your club down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to disagree with any of that, to be honest. And, and football, We know how football works, it moves in cycles, there's various trends, they pop up and then they disappear almost as quickly as they pop up and it's very easy to get lost within them or find yourself... Uh, in, in a space of a few years actually being ahead of the curve to then being behind the curve it can be very kind of um, very difficult to kind of catch up and, and difficult to monitor at, at different stages what is working and what isn't working but at the moment and, and again it was graphically illustrated last night and people will look at it and they'll, they'll analyse the game um, and ultimately end up at the scoreline and, and you know it comes to the conclusion Burnley didn't create too many clear cut chances that's, that's a fair assessment they didn't Angus Gunn didn't really have too many saves to make I think both teams had the same amount of shots on target Norwich actually had the same amount as Burnley in, in fewer shots but it's the approach it's the style there, there felt a clear 
sort of chasm between the two sides in terms of identity, in terms of what they were trying to do. And uh, I think I said right at the top, one looked energetic, one looked quite lethargic, one looked capable of finishing in the top four, be it maybe even the, the top two. I think with a, with a fully fit striker, I know they had uh, a, a couple out, Scott Twine and, and Cherlinov, I think was, was missing last night as well. Um, and, and obviously a team that doesn't at the moment look like finishing in the top four, maybe even the top six at this moment in time. So, I mean, let's let's kind of bring us up to where we are because it doesn't, or I don't, and I, you know, this podcast might come out and I might be proven completely wrong, but I don't get the sense Norwich City are at the moment considering a, a change. It doesn't, certainly I don't feel that. It doesn't, when you speak to players and you speak to Dean Smith, you can usually get a sense and it doesn't quite feel like we're there yet. So with this same head coach, with this same players, with four games now until the World Cup break, how do they fix this? How do they improve this? What needs to happen? Obviously, they've got two home games coming up against Alex Neil Stoke, and we all know the, the potential narrative around there. The script kind of writes itself, but also against Mick Beale's QPR, who are who are flying and and again probably look all the things that Norwich City aren't at the moment. Yeah, and I hate to be um, overly pragmatic because I think that's the approach that Norwich fans are probably sick to the back teeth with now. But what they probably need to do is get ten points and get to the the break and, and see where they are then because there's certainly no way with games Saturday, Tuesday now up until the World Cup break they're going to sort out the, the underlying problems that they have I think what they need is big performances from Grant Handley and what it looks like probably John Tomkinson from now until the World Cup break and they need to be solid and they need to get those points and that's the opposite of what I'd usually say um, I'm a, a big fan of a, a team that plays properly and even if they were winning and, and playing an unattractive style I would probably be quite critical but the problems that they have just aren't going to be solved between now and the, the international break so they need to um, to use Dean Smith's phraseology they need to stick the biggest sticking plaster over it that they possibly can um, in the short term and then probably get to that break and, and do what they can but the gap between where they are and where they need to be is, is so big um, I think the worrying thing about that Burnley game was and you referenced that they didn't really create too many chances they didn't look by their own standards and by what you could see their players were capable of on the pitch like they were much above a, a 6 out of 10 for their own performance levels and yet they still were pretty comfortable against Norwich to be honest and we've seen Norwich normally be on the other side of that um, quite regularly in that 2020-21 campaign actually when they weren't at their best and they still were sort of breezing through sort of 1-0, 2-0 wins over lower championship sides and Norwich really did look like that that sort of lower championship side yesterday so I think what they're going to have to do is try and ride their luck try and get a little bit of momentum behind them in the short term and, and see how many points they can get between now and the international break I think the problem that they've they've got and the mistake that they've made is that throughout Dean Smith's tenure I think he's been trying to do that the entire time I don't think he's had any inclination to try and implement a clear style and any indication of a, a wider plan. I remember speaking to Kenny McLean um, after the, the Cardiff game, which was the first game of the season, and asking him to define Norwich City's style because there were a lot of questions around it at, at that time. And I'm sure if they were winning now, there still would be, but that's just not a priority for Norwich fans at the moment, given how much they're losing. And McLean at the time struggled to answer the question to be honest despite having been a, a player under Dean Smith for what would eight nine months by that point um, and I still think they're they're at that point so if they're going to define themselves by result, results only and not focus on style and performance then that's what they have to do in the short term because you know as I said Dean Smith isn't going to be able to change his mind now and with two sessions at Colney, get them ready for Stoke and and play beautiful football and pass Alex Neal's side off the park because that's just not doable in this short space of time. Now, I agree with your point that you don't need 11 months. You certainly don't need 11 months to get a, a squad as talented as Norwich City have at their disposal to the performance level required to be promoted from the Championship. But you do probably need more than two days to implement a, a style that fans find attractive and it's sustainable in the long term and I think that's actually as big a point as the entertainment and the identity and the um, the will to want to go to Carrow Road and be entertained by your side is the sustainability I don't think 
winning game to game is as reliable as uh, something like the system that Daniel Farker played at Norwich where you knew that if they were up to their performance levels nine times out of ten they were guaranteed a win at, at championship level um, now under Dean Smith when it's like oh well I suppose we'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that you can't really guarantee that even if they play well that's going to be enough against certain sides so um, there are certainly wider issues to, to, to address but in the short term given the situation they've put themselves in it's probably bumbling to a few wins and maybe a couple of draws before that, that international break and then exploring what they can do to improve it but Dean Smith had a whole pre-season to do that and he didn't do that so my my faith in this World Cup break to transform things isn't particularly high uh, and I'm, I'm not sure they'll be able to do it but you know you asked me the question without replacing the, the head coach and without making big changes and that to me seems the only thing they can do which is quite worrying in itself if that's if that's their best hope from now until the end of the season you know that that tells you everything about about where they are really we live Norwich City the builder the passion the drama the last minute winners the debate that's why we've created pink and plus the app that takes you beyond the headlines. With exclusive columns, blogs, podcasts and videos, we've got you covered. Subscribe today. Pink and Plus. Stay ahead of the game. Download now on the App Store and on Google Play. It does. I, I, I mean... Let's, let's be fair to Dean Smith, he had, he had a period like this as Aston Villa manager where seemingly he was on the brink of, of losing his job prior to lockdown. They, he utilised that period in terms of analysis, managed to get a real uplift out of his squad and, and managed to keep them in the Premier League, albeit that was maybe a, a huge slice of fortune with, with Oya Nyland, uh, who of course carried the ball over the line um, when, when the VAR, when the goal line technology sorry, um, decided not to work and that, that obviously gave them uh, a couple more points than perhaps they wouldn't have had, maybe that kept them up um, but he still managed to do that which in itself was an achievement, they were one of the better teams coming in, um, going through Project Restart when not very many were informed to be honest but if we, if we look at kind of the, the reasoning or the mitigation that he's keen to attach to this run pad, I mean look, last night as an example I, I, I understand the the arguments around injuries. Obviously, you knew this was out with, with a cracked rib, which sounds painful and also sounds relatively concerning because that's one that you kind of just have to leave, isn't it? There's no, no real actionable thing you can do to that to, to heal it and, and there's no real protection from it because you, you, you're always going to engage it in, in games. And Ben Gibson, who had a stiff knee, but the fact that they've sent that for a scan suggests that there is a, a level of concern about it as well, um, which... Is not particularly great, albeit, you know, I think there's maybe an argument to suggest the two best performers at Turf Moor last night were Jonathan Tompkinson and Sam McCallum. And actually, the issues were from an attacking perspective where they were pretty much full strength, really. Gabriel Sara was back, Isaac Hayden was, was back, albeit he said that he's not really trained too much and has kind of been thrown into the deep end a little bit. So, that mitigation that he's using, I mean, how, how much are you willing to take into account that that is? one of the driving factors behind this current run of form that Norwich City are in as he is keen to attribute it to well I mean it is, it's obviously mitigation you wouldn't Sam McCallum one day's training him two months after a broken foot when he was supposed to be back in December on you go play was it 90 he played in the yeah. end I mean phenomenal on, on the lad but, but that can't be that can't be the most optimum preparation and 20 year old Tompkinson and again neither of those let anybody down but so that is mitigation, absolutely. But it goes back to, you know, you've had 11 months now to implement something to to deal with the, the inevitable suspensions, injuries. Um, maybe maybe in his defence, as he keeps saying rather pithily, you know, they've got a cemetery whiteboard at Colney now for all the left-backs. You know, five left-back options tried the season, five out through injury or in McLean's situation, red card. You know that that does feel quite unprecedented, even within the ebb and flow of a championship cycle and the toll it takes on a squad. But you know, fundamentally, it comes back to a lack of control in games, and that's whether you've, they've got their best players out, whether they have injuries in certain areas. Burnley had the control in that game last night, and and I know people might say, well, Norwich have edged possession in a lot of these championship games, but that's not control for me. You know, every game this season. 
the opposition have had real good spells where they've pushed Norwich back and they've tested Norwich. Blackpool, Preston, Luton. You know, there isn't a control to Norwich under Dean Smith in the Championship and that's why I think they are more vulnerable uh, and less able maybe to withstand losing players. But even when they've got their best players because they don't have this defined style of how they want to go about it, you know, they're not able to, to control a game of Championship football and... As a result, you know, we saw what we saw against Burnley, but maybe just because of how good Burnley were in possession to a more marked degree, but we've seen it in pretty much every championship game. Norwich aren't able to control games. And again, that comes back down to the coach and how they're coached and what they're doing. What I would say in terms of personnel, and it's worth reiterating, did it in my points, is last night, first game, Hayden starts with Nunes, starts with Zara. That was his three big summer signings in a key area of the pitch. Midfield, he clearly looked at it Premier League-wise. They didn't have for him what they needed in those midfield areas in terms of the athleticism in terms of that control that composure the ability to change the game to have players from midfield capable to break in the box with a goal threat he sourced those three players and last night late October in Lancashire is the first opportunity he's had to put them three together and we all know the backstory why with Hayden with Zara Um, so moving forward if those three stay fit and healthy that might give them that control in the middle of the pitch um and obviously as a result both defensively make them a bit more solid and more protection for that back four and then obviously forward as well to be able to connect with Pookie connect with Sargent connect with Cantwell so you know there is one positive there I think that those three came together for the first time because there's there's no doubt Dean Smith goes out brings in three players those three players are going to be key to his championship battle plan through circumstances outside of his control which is where the mitigation comes in that hasn't been afforded to him that luxury he got them together last night but because they're playing a team who are you know very good in possession and full of confidence you know it, it was more a night for filling in holes and trying to be solid without the ball and, and defensively hopefully hopefully Carrow Road Saturday Stoke Norwich will get more of the ball and we'll start to see that triumvirate really set the tempo and maybe because that's what it feels it needs now we need some sort of big big bar, uh, big bang spark and eureka moment and then maybe we can start to talk about right we're here now this is a Dean Smith Norwich City this was what he envisaged when he sat there at Colney in the summer and Stuart Webber's going out and getting into South Americans and he's gone out and got Isaac Hayden that this now is what a Norwich side looked like and okay they're playing catch up but at least then you could definitively move forward a bit more optimism about right okay we can see now what he's trying to do with this group of players and the key elements within that template but at the minute we're hoping rather than expecting that to be the case yeah just to, to fire it back to you because there's there's obviously been a lot of points made about communication and and, and how that feeds into this kind of disconnect void and we, we've spoken about it at length so I don't particularly want to revisit that debate now but what we saw at a similar point last year in the Premier League season when Daniel Farker was coming under increased scrutiny was Stuart Webber come out and do some media in a in a very interesting way and I think probably didn't get the route and it was designed to provoke a response it didn't provoke said response and, and Daniel Farker was gone soon after are we, are we at that point now do you feel it needs someone other than Dean Smith to, to come and address what has happened this season uh, well yes but you know will it now sound like it's essentially the, the, the dreaded vote of confidence and as a result if it was Weber they're loath to sort of uh, put that extra pressure because it would be, well, why is the intervention now? Is this because the board as a collective are, are moving along this path? And as it played out in that scenario you painted, that, that was almost Daniel Farker's maybe last public chance um, going into that Leeds game. Didn't go for him. and then within well, It was the vote of confidence. <laughs> well, exactly. So, you know, they'll, I'm sure they'll look at that and maybe look and, and think, well, we, we won't go down that route again. But on a broader perspective, Stuart Webber hasn't done any external... Uh, media um, bar a podcast appearance for well since that leads since that which is this time last year so and he's the figurehead you know likewise I don't think there's any other senior board level types um, who have done any external media and that's not us bleating in the media about why we've not had the access that's that's the facts of the matter and I don't think it does help in this scenario where there is that disconnect and fans wanting answers from the people who matter who shape the strategy above Dean Smith that they don't have that ability through us to scrutinise to ask questions uh, and, and to and to challenge because fundamentally 
you want to hear if I'm a Norwich fan I want to hear what Stuart Webber has to say on the situation I want to hear do they share the concerns of the fans I want to hear what they're going to do further forward and even if that is we're fully behind Dean Smith we believe he was the right man when we appointed him we still feel he's the right man and we're going to stick with him you know at least that sends a clear signal um so for me, uh, you know, that isn't gonna, I don't think that's going to hinder the situation. I think that at the very least, at least then, they can't have the charge levelled at them that the club is basically unwilling to set themselves up uh, to be scrutinised externally, which, you know, was one of the key principles when Stuart Webber came in, that they would be transparent and they would be open. And, uh, you know, that clearly isn't the case. And it all feeds into this sense of drift and... Uh, you know, rudderlessness and, and the fan base, I'm sure, feeling that they're not quite sure where their club's going. Absolutely. Right, boys, um, just to, to finish off the pod, because uh, we're sat outside and it's getting a little bit chilly, um, and, you know, cars are sailing past us and, and we should be finishing the, the final leg of what is a very long journey home from Turf Moor. Sam, Saturday, uh, very, very quickly, two questions, really, so feel free to answer them separately. How does it need to go? For, for Dean Smith because it probably feels like a bigger game for Dean Smith than, than Norwich City at this moment in time and then on the flip side how do you how are you kind of see it how do you expect it to go with obviously everything that we've spoken about the narrative of Alex Neil coming back uh, a full Carrow Road crowd I mean it's going to be no place to hide from accountability on Saturday well in my view it's must win but it's not about what I think it's about Stuart Webber and um, you know I know Paddy's obviously spoke about the communication issues uh, there and what the clarity it would provide for Stuart Webber to speak but I think at least if he had then we would be able to sit here and go from the way that Webber's spoken from the toe you know he wouldn't be coming out and saying if if Smith doesn't win on Saturday that um, you know he's going to be he's going to be gone but he would be we'd be able to probably infer from the tone what how much time he had left and without that communication it's quite difficult to predict where they are because we know the last time Weber wanted to wait until there was a good amount of time for them to to find a new manager and um, obviously Daniel Farker actually got that Brentford game when he was pretty much no longer seen as the man to keep them in the Premier League because they wanted that international break to find the right person to replace him um, so it could be that that's a factor in his mind that they've got a game now every sort of three or four days and there's not much time to, to find a replacement without somebody having to, to fill in in the interim. But, but you can get a bounce from that as well. Yeah, yeah, you definitely, you definitely can. Um, but the problem is we don't really know how, how they're, they're feeling at the moment. I would say he has time. We know how big of a fan Stuart Webber is of, of Dean Smith and he has been for a long time. It's not just since he was looking for a replacement for Daniel Farker. I think even at Huddersfield he interviewed him for the position that um, David Wagner got in in the end um, with the Terriers, but which begs the question why he didn't appoint him then, by the way. But that's probably yeah. a separate podcast. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that is an interesting one actually. But um, I think I think Norwich need to win. I think Dean Smith probably needs to win even more, and I can see a draw. I don't think you get a win against an Alex Neal side easily, especially when you're in a bit of a rut as they are um, presently. But I think a draw will will be enough to to keep him in a job for a little bit even if it's not enough to pacify the the home crowd who I don't think will be happy I think the way that it goes will probably have a big say in it as well you know for example if it's one all, we all know that going one nil up and losing the lead is very different to being one nil down and, and coming back into it so I think the way that the game unfolds is important for Dean Smith's own future for Norwich's season it's another vitally important game and one they probably need to win and if I was in, in charge Maybe, maybe he would need to, to win but uh, you know I'm not, I'm not and uh, Stuart Webber is and it would be nice to have a little bit of clarity on, on where Dean Smith is but um, I don't think we're going to have that before Saturday and uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see how things develop but it's, it's a difficult one to predict so thanks, thanks for asking me to but it's alright I'm about to ask Pad as well so it's alright I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just chucked that on your shoulders although he has had a bit more time to think about it than you so, so Pad I mean do, do you agree with that it does feel like we're probably in, in the realms of a must win certainly for, for Dean Smith and the atmosphere with supporters maybe as opposed to his own job security I wouldn't disagree with any of that yeah um, just had a, I was just having a look there Stoke have lost their last two which under Alex Neil I'm sure is not the direction of travel he was hoping for so you know let's get it right it's not 
a Burnley coming to Car Road or whatever, you know, a team on the up who are, you know, really, really at the top end and leading the way. So there's nothing to fear, I don't think, from an Alec Neil Stokes side. But fundamentally, this isn't about Alex Neil Stoke, it's about Dean Smith and Norwich, and they have to, at five o'clock on Saturday evening, have three points in the can, and ideally, you know, some semblance of a performance that's cohesive and controlled and composed. And as I say, you know, to repeat what I just said previously, that with Hayden, with Nunes and Zara now, let's stick those three together. Let's back your judgment. You went out, you and Stuart went and brought those three players in because you felt they could transform what was already in the building. So let's see, let's see, you know, a performance from those three, um, which is progressive and does showcase what those lads can offer, both defensively and with the ball. And and if you get that, and and it's wrapped around a Norwich win, then then the fan base will go home, at least with something to cling to going into you know QPR the, the following midweek. But um, you know, my my mind goes back to. Uh, uh, Chris Hugh and West Brom. I was going to say, you've seen a few of these yeah, type games. Yeah. Pepe, Mel, bemused, looking at the clap banners all raining down on Chris Hutton's <laughs> head from the city stand, no less. Um, you know, there's bit, there's bit, I mean, Alex Neal is a pertinent one, I remember. The Huddersfield of Stuart Weber and David Wagner, they came to Car Road in the season that he eventually clung on but in to the awards the end of that season, but there was a December win at Car Road for a very, very good Huddersfield side. And that was toxic as well. And, um, and there's plenty more other examples of that, I'm sure, if I stop to think about it. So it's on a knife edge. Irvington, Burnley. Yeah, exactly, even further back. So it's on a knife edge. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I just hope, hope, hope that Stoke don't get their noses in front early because if they do, then, uh, you know, I think we all know how, how that that afternoon could play out uh, both on and off the pitch. So, um, yeah, but, I, you know, this group of players are more than good enough to come together and, and produce a performance that is good enough to win a game against Stoke but they need to do it as Dean Smith said last night it needs to happen and it needs to happen quickly and it needs to happen from Saturday onwards Good stuff gents thank you very much for joining me uh, we're going to make the, the journey back down the A17 uh, back to Norwich and of course we'll be at the game Saturday for what feels quite a big uh, chapter I suppose in Dean Smith's Norwich City managerial career um, and also I wanted to give the final word as well to those 750 Norwich fans who were at Turf Moor last night some of whom didn't get back until 3 or 4am in Norfolk that's an incredible effort and uh, you know, sadly they, they didn't get a performance that, that met their efforts which is, um, which is, which is a shame and I, hope for, I, I really hope that people inside the club aren't forgetting the importance of those and not taking them for granted as well thank you very much for listening to the podcast um of course you can go to pinkin.com pinkin plus app as well for all our usual coverage analysis and uh, reaction to everything that's going on at the moment we'd like to hear your thoughts as well so if you have anything to add to this podcast or you want to have your say you can get in touch with us via social media or on uh, email as well you know all the usual channels by now thank you very much for listening we'll see you again very soon